Well, hello. Once again, you have found a Texas Steampunk Connection. Broadcasting to you throughout the multiverse, Steamverse, from our various bunkers and airships. With me, as always, is Fax, Gentleman Adventurer. Hello, hello. <laughs> with me is Jack from Steam Chest. Hello. <laughs> and with us today, Master Blue Stocking from <laughs> Steampunk Dollhouse Podcast. So once again, we are here to talk oh, probably about Steampunk, most likely, because that's what this is about. Thank you for listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Texas Steampunk Connection. Uh, Blue Stocking could not be with us tonight. Uh, in exchange, we have uh, Jenny Lynn Shaver, the Steampunk multimedia artist. Uh, we're, we're lucky to have her. We've been talking about uh, having her on the show for quite some time, but uh, other things got in the way. But she's here now. I'm very excited. <clears throat> Jack's back with us. Yeah. And uh, what's happened in the last two weeks? Well, Talk Like a Pirate Day was yesterday, and I did not get nearly enough in. So, I I also did not talk like a pirate yesterday. In the past, I've I've definitely dressed, talked, acted like a pirate at work. People think I'm crazy, but I just didn't have the energy this year. Um, yeah, we're back to summer weather. It's yeah. getting back into the 100 degrees uh, Thursday and Friday this week in Austin. Uh, I think I think we're all in the greater Austin area. Film right here, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that part or that part or that part. <laughs> in the lesser Austin area, off towards the east. And uh, we had of we have Rita and Lawrence joining us, and Johnny Steverson. Uh, I know uh, Rita and Lawrence are up in the Dallas area, so hopefully it won't be quite as hot up there. Uh, what happened this week? Um, oh, the Queen of England died, and. The news has forgotten about all other stories but that ever since. <laughs> well, you realize that the British broadcast um, like contingency plan, every radio station, every TV station, every news outlet, including, of all things, even the Steam Deck, the, the gaming console, has a deal where for 10 days after the Queen dies, it's a, a national mourning. So it's nothing but the Queen. <sighs> It's it's what they've done. That was their plan from the very beginning. Well, probably not the very beginning, but their contingency plan near, nearer to probably the last 40 years. If something happens to a royal, their plan is, especially the queen or whatever raiding monarch, was to have 10 days of mourning with nothing but that on the television. So they even closed the stock market for 10 days. And I guess I could understand if if I was in the UK, Um but the rest of the world is is not. And well, even uh, some people in the UK are just like, I wasn't a fan. I'm just like, yeah. mm. <laughs> it, it's oh. funny. I, I've heard more people were fans of the Queen than are actually fans of the monarchy. So now that she's gone, they're like, eh. Time, time to just remove the whole monarchy thing. We have better things to do with our tax-paying money. You know, like actually have them pay, uh, you know, taxes on money moving from, you know. Fan, you know, from parents to children, like actual tax, you know, income should. But you know, I'm not a British person, so that's none of my business. <laughs> right, I'm a uh, he joke included dirty rebel. Uh, not, and, not yet. Yeah, I feel like there's just there's a lot of other news that was more important. For example, uh, here in the U.S., uh, the rail system almost totally went down thanks to uh, thanks to the union. 
And uh, I'm becoming a big fan of unions and talking about them on this show. Yeah, the rail workers union nearly shut everything down just like a week ago, less than. Uh, petrol steampunk right there. Yeah, yeah. Super steampunk, but also you, economic collapse uh, in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad we averted that. Uh, and I'm glad it, it really, you know, flexed the union muscle to uh, to get things done and uh, to, to get union workers, uh, railroad workers, what they needed, which is not just which is not just better pay, but also like sick time, which they got none of uh, the, the engineers and, and uh, railroad conductors and, uh, you know, time off in case they needed to take it while they're, you know, on call for weeks at a time. They, they had a pretty, pretty rough. Uh, 20,000 people move over 10, I think it was $10 billion worth of merchandise a day. And that was about to come grinding to a halt. It got the president yeah. of the United States involved to say, fix it. Yeah. And, and it would not just shut down the railroads, but it was shut down shipping coming and going because, you know, either it's got to be on the train first or get on the train after. Um, it, uh, everything would have been uh, in, in bad shape while while the uh, while that was going on. So yeah, yeah. Chalk it up to another two years worth of near misses. <laughs> uh, what else did I miss? Anything uh, uh, worth of mention or global importance in the last two weeks? My. <laughs> go on you go on oh um so i mean something happened uh, extremely exciting happened in my area of the world which was the merge so if you're a so i had to look that up so yes. explain that to us old folks that don't understand what money is anymore <laughs> so um ethereum which is one of the two major cryptocurrencies there's bitcoin which everybody knows about ethereum is its um second iteration i guess you know if um bitcoin is sound money then ethereum is ultra sound money and um ethereum was moving from a proof of work model to a proof of stake model and there's a lot of things that that you know took to make but essentially what that means is that ethereum now uses less energy globally than paypal um, so if you watch YouTube, if you stream Netflix, if you're on Facebook, you are now using more energy than every Ethereum user um, doing every type of Ethereum transaction. So it it's was a, much, a massive thing. Yeah, it's a much easier algorithm. So it doesn't take nearly the energy of a processor or graphics card to process. And yeah. it takes about the same amount of time. So it's it's still a one to one ratio. Yep. So. Yeah, and it also it also um, one of the things that they programmed into it was that you could mine Ethereum, and with proof of stake, they have reduced the amount of mining yield that you get, and so um, it it lessens people's desire to mine, um, which also lowers the amount of energy consumed. At least that's the theory. But um, if I know people and money, I know that they'll do anything to get more money. So it's all about we'll that see. percentage you can make and yep. slicing it just so it's still profitable. <laughs> However, yeah. it just made my Ethereum get more expensive after the bounce of people buying and selling it. So in the end, it'll be better for Ooh. us all. You know, I was around um, ETH uh, back when it was twenty or forty-two hundred. Um, so I have climbed the Mount Everest of ETH, um, where it's been below seven hundred all the way to over forty-two hundred. So um, it's all right. I still kick myself for my friend going, "Hey, you got fifty bucks? Let me show you how to buy fifty Bitcoin real quick." And well, like, <laughs> I, that sounds like a scam. 
And now I'm sitting here going, man, I could have been living in my third house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it's an interesting industry I work in. Um, I work when, with really, really poor artists and really, really um, rich collector is the, the corner of the industry that I work in. <laughs> you may figure out a way to move more of this over mm-hmm. to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so the NFT market then. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot of NFTs um, and I also do a lot of education on getting people onboarded onto the blockchain, especially women and underprivileged communities or people that have been historically and systematically um, pushed aside. So, so when you mean getting them on the blockchain, do you mean like grabbing their phone and installing, well, not Voyager anymore, like, you know. MetaMask, FTX. yeah. <laughs> getting them their first cryptocurrency wallet, giving them um, a, a good fast rundown of how um, to stay safe on the blockchain and not get your money stolen or your NFT stolen. Um, teach them how to use MetaMask, install it on their browser. Um nice. And then um, plugging them into the communities that they're going to be most successful in. So if they're devs, if they're um, artists, if they are community managers or um, visionaries, any of those different communities, there's all different sections of the the ETH community that you can get plugged into and learn a ton very quickly because everybody was new here once. And um, most people love to share information in the in the ETH communities I'm in. Real quick on that. I have over 700 YouTube videos. Can I turn any of those into NFTs? You know what? As soon as, if if you look at like the the list of energy consumption, YouTube is one of the highest ones out there. And so if YouTube were to move into a proof of stake model, that would drop the energy consumption um, that YouTube is sucking up so much more. And not only that, it would bring back ownership to the creators instead of a corporation, which is one of the biggest things that I am a maxi of in the Ethereum community. So it sounds like we need to talk to Rumble into this because Rumble would do better. Rumble might be into it. Yeah. Um, There's, you know, there's a couple different platforms that are trying to be the next YouTube, but let's be honest, YouTube is the next YouTube. Um, They just got to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And this is all valid because we do have this show on YouTube. Very few of them but there will be more of them shortly i keep saying that and rumble not to mention other places where this would be wonderful to get up on the thing that i'm I'm, being on the blockchain is a very weird thing for people to even consider how is it less consumption of energy that's what i want to know because it still has to be spooled up on a hard drive somewhere and fed to you Mm -hmm. i mean one of the biggest things that you have to think about is that no matter where your data is stored it's stored somewhere physically so we think about the cloud as being like up in the ether right but clouds are just hard drives or hard drive banks you know you think about these warehouses that hold um you know aws servers that hold banks after banks after banks of where our information is stored and so when we move into these models that are faster and more efficient at processing energy they take less energy to consume than our old machines. You know, there are some programs I turn on on my computer and like, I can literally hear my beast go, you know, it's kicking up the fans, the power supplies maxing out. Um, It's getting hot because it's working that hard. And, um, but there are other programs that I use and you can't even tell the computers on. And so that's the difference in proof of stake versus proof of work. The amount of um, processing power that's needed to do these new transactions is so much, it's streamlined. And it's like a more, just a more efficient, Yes. algorithm of instead of some guy going nope this this code will work it'll it just barely works it'll work yes it may take 500 more milliseconds per per trans you know whatever mm-hmm. but it works yeah, yeah. And okay so it's more of an elegant situation or is. solution so when i got into ethereum over a year ago they were talking about you know the merge is coming and it took until um the 15th 
um, yeah. to actually they like, kept finalize. rescheduling it. Jeez. Yes. Kept, <laughs> yes. And, and every time, you know, it was like, Oh, the Bellatrix Bellatrix is upgrading today. And I'm like, is that a Harry Potter character? And they're like, no, it's part of the merge. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> one little tiny ass fork. Yep. Doing its thing. Yeah. I'm glad somebody else is asking these questions. Cause it's all like, okay. <laughs> so basically what a fork is, is that, Hey, give us some of your ETH. And we're going to do a different thing with it. We're going to use it in our own, like, we're going to name it something different. It's going to act slightly mm-hmm. different, but it's now our own indoor, it's our indoor bucks. It's our Bucky bucks. And, mm-hmm. or in this case, it'd be like our steam chest bucks, but it's still a one-to-one ratio to, to um, ETH somehow. I would, yeah. I would probably turn 100, I'd turn one ETH into like a hundred or, you know, a thousand steampunk bucks, but it would equal somehow. So yep. all of those transactions still flow through the main backbone that is it's just it's like taking a stamp to a dollar and saying it's something different, but it's still legal tender exactly like a dollar. Absolutely. And there's actually currencies like USDC that mm-hmm. is pegged to the dollar. It's called a stable coin. And it's probably the safest option to store your money in as far as cryptocurrency goes, because it doesn't fluctuate. Except the US dollar does fluctuate. So you know, and watch but, out for stable coins that give you too much interest because yes. those aren't stable coins. They're invested yes. too heavily into other things and kind of yeah. this big circle jerk of like. I remember oh, hearing and- stories only a couple months ago. Yes. Uh, such stable coins are now that they, they, they lost their stability and they're they're worth like pennies on the dollar. That would yeah. be like a bank basically saying we have we're loaning it. You know, they're supposed to keep ten eight to ten percent of their money they loan out in the bank. But what happens is, is that's only happens one day a week when they mm-hmm. rent money from the Federal Reserve when they know the Federal Reserve guy is coming. So literally the truck pulls up at the money. They unload it. The Federal Reserve guy gets out of the truck, goes to check it's in the vault and then gets back in the van. The guys carry the money back out and then they basically charge the bank interest on the money they had for the 30 minutes and then drive back mm-hmm. off. That's how yep. the Federal Reserve makes their money. And they make sure that the bank is with its rights, but they've charged out way more money than they actually own at that bank. Yeah. So, and it was a coordinated attack yeah. on on it's Luna and Terra. So they had this coin that they called Luna, and then they turned it. They said, "If you if you buy our Luna, we're going to make this thing called Terra." And um, or maybe it was vice versa. Anyway, Luna and Terra were linked together, and um, if you invested in one, you got you could get the stable coin of the other. And there was a coordinated attack where somebody borrowed like eight. Hundred like Bitcoin or something like that. I mean, it was an, a massive, a I'm stupid probably, amount of money. It was a stupid amount of money. We're talking government level of money. Yes. Um. So it was a coordinated attack, and it was specifically to take down that cryptocurrency. But that cryptocurrency wasn't backed. And if you are investing in an unbacked currency, you're gonna get hurt. That's why I'm. I'm just. I just do ETH. Stay, stick with ETH. Enough people are in this ecosystem that it's safe. These other it's- ones that are like. We're an altcoin. I'm like, yeah, you're an altcoin. Don't invest. You're alternative money coin, you mean? <laughs> yes. They're all alt to me. I, <laughs> I don't know which ones are, are, are safe, backed, which are not. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, in, in a regular banking system, I know that all banks are backed by FDIC, and that's, mm-hmm. that's safe. And that's but, what yeah. is important about shortly, because if you listen to Gary Gensler talk, uh, the guy that's head of the... Um, Hell, what is he? Had? Ah, that, that that's going. Anyway, he's one of the Federal Reserve guys. Federal Reserve, or he's the F. Ah, I am blanking right now, and I know this, but he's one of the government guys that talks about this and actually have to go in front of the, the Supreme Court or the uh, uh, major bodies of government and explain himself and why we're doing things we're doing. When it comes- of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, yes, SEC. Um, yeah, I, 
not like I am not certified myself under the SEC and FINRA and a whole bunch of other things as a financial planner or ex-financial planner. Uh, but um, basically what I'm waiting for and what JC, JP Morgan and a bunch of these investment firms are waiting for is they want to make mutual funds based on all coins so that you can see the, the benefit of that and, and also the downfall of that. But the thing about putting your money in a bank is that it's insured up to $250,000. Great. That's what we all really need to happen with Bitcoin. And they keep talking like Bitcoin's an actual security and everything else they haven't really they're 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 dodging the question like magic like like Neo when it comes to all the bullets. They're anytime people ask, Well, why is it different? It's like it just is, we can't tell you why yet, but it doesn't act like a normal you know, it's, it doesn't it doesn't act like a normal Bitcoin cryptocurrency. And mm-hmm. so but the moment that the government basically says it's FDIC insured is when you're going to see mass adapt- adoption of it. I mean, the fact that four years ago, suddenly I could spend it at Dollar General on their little like card thing. And I'm like, that that seems sus, but it's coming. And I knew that at that point in time that Dollar General can take Bitcoin. then suddenly I might as well have as much as I can possibly get at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a... a- pepperoni pizza bagel on my desk and my cat just ran up grabbed a pepperoni and ran off <laughs> that's a smart cat, Cheers, I, cat. Up. I love you i love you psych yes that was exactly what it was, exactly <laughs> what it was. yes but, but uh, yeah this talk going completely over my head i, I need a drink <laughs> okay nice, nice segue <laughs> tonight i am uh i am trying this very interesting can with uh apple and Weird skull pineapple. It's called Puro Pina y Chamoy in a beer. It's it it poured out kind of like a lager beer, and then at the bottom was all this pink stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I saw it at the store, and uh, I had to buy the whole six pack because it was the only thing they had an option. But it might be terrible. Let's see. It's terrible. I'll take. That doesn't look like a good face. Or is it a good face? It's hard to tell that mustache is moving. It's a, it's, it's slightly sour hmm. and slightly lager. It's a, it, it's sort of on, on the, on the edge between lager and sour, and, and kind of have some, has some texture in there, uh, as, as I applied with stuff that fell in in the in the end. But it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's a gritty beer. The moment you had te- like. The moment you start talking about textures with beer, we know we're in the, we're in new territory. Well, I mean, it, as it said, it's got pineapple and chamoy, which is a uh, you know uh, a sort of a chili, lime, powdery stuff. So it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's that's the ranking of this beer. It is what it is. Kinda, yeah. Um, I don't I don't hate it, but I wouldn't seek it out myself. I don't think it's my favorite. <laughs> that's like, that's great. Like, I, I, you, you expanded your horizons on this beer, and now we're done. I, I'm, we I'm tasting so you don't have to. <laughs> that's the case. That's, that's what we need to have is a corner where Thax tastes it so you don't have to. <laughs> said you were uh, mixing something there under the uh, camera oh. that I couldn't see. Oh, yes. And it's interesting. I like it. So what I'm doing, because it's it's are under the guise it's only a day after piracy and so i have my malibu black here and uh, <laughs> it is the bold caribbean rum with coconut liqueur at 70 35 alcohol fantastic stuff but great in everything from sprite seven up um my favorite way was usually in ginger ale back in college and uh 
So what I'm doing is I'm pouring it in here, about half this, in my Monte Carlo uh, shot glass. And then I'm going to add something new. Well, I've, I've had this, and I have yet to actually make a wonderful um, white Russian out of it, because I can't seem to have all the pieces of the white Russian at once in my house at once. I have Cayman Reef Dark Roasted Kona Liqueur Coffee. Ooh. So I'm pouring that with the rum, and it's it's really good. I'm, I don't have rum. So I'm replacing that with rum. With with I'm not, I don't have vodka, so I'm replacing that with rum, and then just pouring coffee liqueur into it and calling it well, some sort of pirate coffee, pirate Russian. I don't know, Russian pirate, Ukrainian. I don't. Know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so you're doing sweet girly shots. What? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. So I'm actually just pouring my second one into this into the the the, the European shot glass. Before I was using my National Security Agency shot glass, which is a full-blown American shot glass. Thank you very much. <laughs> Judgment. I, mm. Yeah, I don't have my double shot over here. The Texas. It's in the closet. Let me pull that one out next time. Okay. Something like Jaeger. <laughs> you want you want an entertaining you want you want a show where I don't shut up. There we go. That's the show. Just talk continuously the whole show. <laughs> <sighs> okay, that's what I'm drinking. Okay. All right. Jen, do you happen to have anything you're drinking tonight? I do. Well, I have something boring. It's a Shinerbach. <laughs> the good, good standby. the only. <laughs> it's um, it's pretty much the only beer I drink. I gave up like investigating beers, and I was like, I just, I'll just. <laughs> well, gave up investigating beers. That's a sad story. I know. I know. <laughs> well, you should come here more often, so Thax can you know it'd, it'd be adventurous for you. Yes. Um, taste it so you don't have to. <laughs> we've, We've been making our own um, like slushy sex on the beaches at night. Um, but if I start drinking that now, by the end of the show, I'm going to be like, <laughs> See, that's what you want in a good quality, mm-hmm. a good quality podcast right there. Yes. Well, that amount, that amount of lean back. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's yes. when, that's when the great stories start coming out when you get that comfortable. <laughs> so uh, earlier today, you mentioned that you had created a new art piece that you were offering as an NFT. Mm-hmm. And since we've been talking about, imaginary money uh yes. um i've got so many questions <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got the the vaguest of understanding of nfts and it doesn't well, no i don't have any understanding i've had it tried to explain to me but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me the best maybe you way can help that me i've out. heard an nft to be used in a day-to-day basis would be if you stuck your medical record as a as a like an altcoin so that if you ever needed to go anywhere in the world and you needed to show some of your medical records that were safe and secure, you'd be able to give them the number and they would be able to pull your specific coin with your specific information on it to that doctor. And it would be in like multiple different places. So they couldn't change it because it would always be checked against all the other documents that are on the copy and say, oh, this one's flagged, was, you know, tampered with. Then we got to check it. But that is one of the coolest ideas I've, I've heard outside of like art is being yeah. something very unique. Or yeah. if you wanted to track a certain cow that gets cut up into pieces and then track all the pieces mm-hmm. through its process of getting from the, from the, you know, becoming a cow to becoming your, your dinner is having these um, essentially a, a crypto blockchain attachment file that's following it. So like it's attached to the truck. So as the truck's traveling, it'll know it, it'll be stamped with the, with every however often the, the temperature change in the truck was. So you'd be able to have all this information about if it was spoiled or not. It, well, you know, within its basically 
cost of goods sold building up to your plate. Um, so it's just an easier way to start tracking lots of stuff at once. Mm-hmm. And so are you telling me I could buy a cow as an NFT? Not yeah, yet. you can do that too, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, okay. No, I'm saying that you can use the fact that imagine having a guy basically stand by, gave this cow a number, like a barcode. Barcodes are the be- are the easiest way to explain, really, to figure this out. Everything has got a barcode. We understand. Why don't we? Why don't we stick with the the artwork because that is an actual thing that is actually an NFT, right? Well, so the NFT is just a contract. It's a um, what it is is it's a on the blockchain is a it's like a record book or a ledger, and on that ledger is every transaction that ever happened. And so when you attach um, this contract to a piece of artwork, we call it an NFT or a non fungible token. Um, with you know without um, there, there's every NFT has something behind it. So you can. Um, there are projects where you can digitally own one hectare of rainforest and it protects it from logging companies. And so even though you don't, you can't physically go to that piece of rainforest and stand on it and be like, this is mine. You can actually digitally own that through the blockchain. Um, and that ownership is tracked through the NFT. So in um, NFT world, um, it's, we can think about it like a digital provenance. Um, you know, provenance is a fancy word for um, the history of a piece of art. So when we look at a Van Gogh, you, um, the verified ones will know every owner that has had that Van Gogh back to when Van Gogh actually put the paintbrush onto the canvas. And the same thing happens with NFTs. There's no way to spoof a contract to be like, oh, no, this isn't a Van or, you know, this this is um, a Van Gogh, and then you look back at, oh, well, the person who minted it wasn't Van Gogh. It's a very easy way to track where these things came from, who's owned it along the pain, um, and who owns it now, which is you. Um, okay. So I have clearly a big misunderstanding of, of NFTs because uh, in the past, someone will like, make a piece of art mm-hmm. and then say, I'll sell you the NFT of this art, which to me meant... like. I'm buying a digitally scanned copy and that is the official copy and all the other copies that might be made are less yeah, valuable, but it's all just digital copies, but that's not right. That's not quite. Not, no, that's not quite accurate. Um, I am getting a contract or a, a uh, proof of ownership, a yeah, data set stating profit providence of whatever actual physical thing that I bought. The physical thing, it's kind of a, a weird thing because, you know, I can sell you basically an overpriced JPEG, right? That's one of the slang terms that's thrown out there, overpriced JPEGs. Um, right, or, that, that was the concept I had, but that's not right. No, there's so much more to it because with that ownership, you get rights. So there's um, an NFT, they're super lame, <laughs> but they're very popular called Bored Apes, the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Um, and when you own that Bored Ape, you own all rights to that piece of artwork. So you can go and film a TV show with that character that you didn't create, just like Seth Green did, because he bought that NFT. Um, you can So you can actually go to, like, restaurants that are based on a specific, you know, um, what do we call that, a um, IP, intellectual property um, of that Bored Ape. And because Bored Apes are, I would say there's at the top, we have something called a CryptoPunk, which was one of the first NFTs ever generated, um, called um, a generative art. 
Um, and then you have the board apes are right underneath yeah. of them. And these sell for literally um, 100 ETH. Um, they were getting up over 200 ETH at one point. Um, and right now ETH is at $1,500. So it's, they go Tens for of thousands of dollars, yes. if not hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see, 400 times 1,500, <laughs> it's uh, $600,000. Yes. yes, for something that you could right click and save, but that right click and save doesn't come with the ownership rights. Just right, like, you wouldn't be able to do things with it. I mean, you wouldn't it. download a car, no. would you? Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't download a car, would you? Yeah, it's really funny. Would. And I'll um, 3D print the bastard. <laughs> now, uh, one of the companies that I started in this space is called Ultrasound Merch. And what we do is we help creators um, get physical merchandise to their communities. Um, we started with t-shirts and we're going very, very slow. So we are still only doing t-shirts. Um, but eventually we have dreams of doing other things so that if you bought um, a NFT, you could then go and claim a physical representation or benefit from owning that NFT. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, so as an example, there was um, NFT NYC um, in New York in July and I went and because I own something called a World of Women, I got to go to a Madonna concert that was gated to only World of Women um, people. And so I got to see, I was literally close enough that when Madonna was singing and turned towards me and, and looked at me, her spit hit me in the face. Um, it was very close to Madonna. You should turn that into an NFT. I should have. I should have cleaned off my face. Oh, God, look, now I have a sex on the beach has arrived. No, it's a peach. Oh, it's a peach on the beach. A beach on the beach? It's a something. It's, it's just, just um, sandy fruit. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, these, these NFTs do give you cool things that you can um, have access to, but it depends on the NFT. Yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of like just a contract. So it's a contract that either goes with – a virtual or real item or is tracking something or is personal information that you want to have encrypted, but able to be accessed by anyone you give a password. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of where the online world presence to try to stay away from governments and large organizations and whatnot. You could actually have your virtual self on the internet and safe because it is the way it is. So, yep. Yeah. And actually I, I had um, for everyone um, for the merge. And I had put it out there. And as of about 15 minutes before the show, I finally minted out of them. Um, They've been up since Friday. So I was like, oh, I was going to give away an NFT to you guys, but I'll make another one um, for another show. You'll have to help us set up a wallet. Yes. Um, I think I can get them on FTX. I haven't tried NFTs that way. But yeah, um, I wanted to also share with you guys, um, I'll drop it in our little chat here. Um, an NFT that one of my friends made today that is um, actually AI generated, but it is, um, I think she gave me a total of the number of AI generations that she needed to make this one. And let me count it up. She said there were um, four prompts for the brooches, one prompt for the uh, background, one prompt for the hat, one prompt for the goggles, and one prompt for the suit and one for the face. So that's one, two, three, four, five, and four is nine. Nine different AI files that she then had to manipulate to turn into um, hmm. So that's, um, it's, she is using foundation to do these. So, and she does steampunk stuff right now, which is pretty cool. Nice. That was the one I minted today. Um, I don't know if any of you, if either one of you guys want to share your screen and show that. Um, sure. It is basically, um, 
AI art, especially in the NFT world, is becoming very, very popular. You guys talked about it on your last show. And uh, I'm highly involved with several communities that are investigating the technology and incorporating it into real art. Um, and so this is one of those. Sorry, this is taking me a moment. It's always it. You want me to get it? Oh, sure. Go for it. There we yes. go. So um, one of the things that we realized when we first started seeing AI art <laughs> um, is that um, it would always produce white or Caucasian faces. And so one of the things that if you're highly involved in the AI communities would do <laughs> is if you got four results, because it usually gives you four different results per prompt, um, would, and they were all white males, all white females, would be to... Um, report it and say lack of diversity. And so um, when I've done my own NFT generations, I'll do an astronaut doing this and it will actually give me African-American astronauts, which I think is incredible. Um, and so she did a prompt, she did um, steampunk top hat um, and it gave her a gentleman wearing the steampunk top hat, but she didn't quite like how the face looked. So then she generated just a face. And then um, she was like, okay, this is going somewhere. And then she generated the outfit, but the outfit didn't have enough um, decorations on it. So then she started generating separate pieces for each one of the decorations on uh, the, the suit. And then she needed to do goggles. So she said, I think she had to do like four different generations just to finally get um, the goggles to a place where they actually looked pretty cool. So it's, an interesting technology. Um, right now, you still have to do a lot of micromanaging to get it to look good, um, but it understands steampunk very, very well. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. It's almost like they're like it's very specific in the way things work and look. Yes. Yeah. And in, in fact, before the show, um, I decided to make one um, for myself, and this is one of the ones that I did, this is um, by an AI program called Doll E. So this is straight from Doll E. It did take me, count how many edits I had to do to this. One, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times I had to run it through AI to get this image where I asked it to tweak certain aspects of the picture. But it finally came to this. What's nice. really, really cool is when you look at early AI, and I'm talking early AI like a month ago, yeah, um, <laughs> completely different. Yes, hands. I mean, they would have like eight fingers on the hands, or they'd be all. Yeah, it was crazy. And the hands in this one are so much better. So, oh yeah, it's learning so fast. It's it's almost terrifying how fast it's learning. Mm -hmm. I actually have a friend who showed me like when it was like pick one of the nine pictures, and then you know it starts generating that a little better, and you just mm -hmm. keep going down the, the bunny rabbit hole of that. Now, yes. too, you can ask it full-blown sentences, paragraphs of information, yes. and it now kicks out what you want. Mm -hmm. We're very close. And I was very terrified by Elder God's <laughs> space captains and spaceships and yes. how close we got to something that looked like it should be book covers. Absolutely. And I'm Absolutely. like, well, here we go. We're done. We don't need artists anymore. <laughs> That's Soon it'll be accountants and lawyers are gone, too. And... Um, <laughs> There will be no jobs, and we're just yeah. going to have to start living. A, you know, we forced to live a utopian. I, I do think we should mention if we were listening to our last show two weeks ago, talking to the audience here, and Jack was showing steampunk furniture and beds. Oh yeah, and was certain that those were real, actual pieces of furniture, and they were not. 
<laughs> I had to go back and look again. The AI fooled us all. Um, and I'd mentioned that online, but this is the first chance I've had to be able to say it on the show. Uh, the AI got us good. <laughs> yes. I'll, well, I'll, I'll, let me click on one of these that's like absolutely terrible. Um, and I'll, I'll send it to you guys so you can see the AI. I mean, you really got to play with it to get it to do some good prompts. Um, that one, it mutilated her face. This one. <laughs> and you can get this. I know we have ours attached to a Discord, and I think you can pay for like $25 a month like that for some of these AIs, and you have mm -hmm. unlimited ability to go through and do it. If not, you can play around, I think, with like 25 free ones every so often. Um, but they're like different tiers of, of just playing with it. And I'll admit that for like, I have a little run, a little RP group and we use it just to generate like NPC characters. And it does an insanely good job. Just want to yes. say like in space merchant men. And suddenly you get like eight, you get nine choices and you start refining it. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. you have this entirely deep character with like, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. It looks like a, you know, it still looks like a, a 10 year old try to draw a face sometimes. Yeah. Not a good 10-year-old, like, let's say, you know, someone who doesn't know how to draw very well sometimes. But the other other things, it gets immaculately right. And it's it's creepy how close it gets or and how many, like, images within an image it gets. There's, like, mm -hmm. other faces and things that are hiding. In the, it gets creepy if you really want to go creepy. Yes. Like, yes. Um, the Cthulhu thing is fun. <laughs> so the one I just sent you, it was, it was almost the same uh, prompt that I had done for the previous one, slightly different. Um, and when you look at her hands and her face and even her body, there's just something not right about this character and not right. Like it's an alien, like not right. Like um, she's made of mashed potatoes. Um, it's very strange. Oh. Yes. <laughs> her, so, uh, her, her, her face is sort of not, not symmetrical. One eye is larger and sort of mushed. Her nose is a lump. <laughs> I want to say that, Whatever this necklace is, is like embedded in her skin because you can kind of see this line right around here. Mm -hmm. And then there's yeah, yeah. The, the scarring right here. But I mean, it generates some really cool stuff. And just as a guy who wants to like literally goes and asks this thing, give me spaceships. It throws a lot of things together and ideas that I can go and refine myself. As yes. well. Yeah. So. I, th I think that's the most exciting part for AI is sometimes I'm having a hard time um, composing an image in my mind or I know what it should look like vaguely, but trying to get to that final image is is um, throwing me off, especially um, like forced perspective or certain angles that a body turns. You mm -hmm. need reference images and you may not be able to find those reference images, but you can have an AI help you compose an image and then go off of that. And a lot of times, you know, like for doll E, I can get 150, um, you know, button clicks essentially for uh, $2. Yeah. So, and, and every AI program is a little bit different. There's mid journey. Um, this is doll E D A L L E. Um, there's also one for your mobile phone by Wombo called dream. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and that one, that one is probably the least like refined, but it's also f completely free. Um, and At this uh, point, we're just feeding their algorithm. Yes, um, and there's you know all these different types of things. What's exciting for me is someone like my husband who can't draw. He tries. He really does. Bless his heart. Um, but it's it frustrates him because again, what he wants to produce is not what he produces. And so he can go on these AI things, type out a sentence. And then refine it a little bit and like, that's what I was looking for. That's what I wanted to make. 
Um, and so it does enable artists that maybe even have a physical disability, but can type to be able to produce artwork online um, instead of being restricted by their physical disabilities. So you're saying to me that we have literal muses now. Yes. <laughs> literal it's, technological muses. Mm -hmm. Now these were programmed by artists and they, what they do is they scour the internet for all images that have that SEO search engine optimization knowledge behind it. And then that's what they use um, to compile it. And they say, okay, faces generally have this dark spot for an eye, dark spot for an eye, this shape for a mouth, this shape for, or nose, you know, and then a mouth. And so that's how they get these really strange looking faces because they're taking faces and trying to put them together and it didn't work. Um, and the same thing with hands, because it's hard to tell a, an AI, you know, every hand has five fingers and this is how it should look from every angle. And so that's why you get hands that, you know, look like they have eight fingers. Because it's trying because what the, the technology they're using is overlaying, like they're taking a whole bunch of images and trying to emulate other images. Mm -hmm. So if the images they're taking have two heads then suddenly it's going to get really crazy, really fast because it's trying to find light. It's in, it's an interesting idea. It's like having data draw something. Yes. You know, it's, it's not it's not a human being having these preconceived notions. So it's like mm -hmm. it has a nose. All right. Well, that that's a nose. OK, Absolutely. is that really a nose? <laughs> well, and what's really funny is it will, you know, it looks for the most common denominator. So when I first tried to do these tonight, I asked it for a golden mechanical heart in her chest. And what it gave me is her with a red love heart on her chest. And I was like, that's not what I asked. But it was the most common image when it looked like when it looked up those search engine terms and looked at all those images, you know, looked, sampled all of those things, compiled them. And I was like, that's not what I want at all. Um, but those images actually turned out pretty well too. Hands still scary. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like it's like a, it's based off of like, depending on how far back in the images it's looking, you could, I guess, if you were an artist ratio it back to only so far, like let's say just the last year and you'd be able to get kind of a pop culture reference design of like an era like a year of what was popular based on itself kind of blended together absolutely um and adding a celebrity's face or a commonly known person's face to your prompt so jennifer lawrence um wearing a corset with a red steampunk heart might actually give you a better face outcome than just saying a woman because mm -hmm. it's looking at every woman or every image tagged as woman online. Now this one, this is a beautiful image. It looks like an artist actually made this one. And when you go pretty big on it, um, there are very little things that are wrong. Like her, she almost looks like she has a double pupil. If you like really, really, really zoom in there, um, mm -hmm. oh, which yeah. is kind of odd, but otherwise it's a beautiful image um, that would need very little finessing, except it wasn't what I asked it. <laughs> so that is interesting how Oh yeah. So another another caveat: there are limits to what you can ask the the the, the computers to do. Absolutely. Um, I I do hang out with a bunch of de de degenerates, and so they asked it a bunch of questions and got us basically banned from it from it for a while. Um, it will not do nude. It will not do um, anything ex explicit. Uh, certain words are outright banned, and if you ask it too many times trying to get around it, it will say no. You're banned for so many so many minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's good. I'm actually kind of happy the fact that that exists. And, yes. Um, there are yeah, some ways around it. Um, like you said, usually if it does do a nude, um, it will do it like a Barbie doll. Um, yeah. It will, or, or um, you know, cat. You can, are not allowed to have any more pepperoni. Um, Man. Where, 
<laughs> it'll just flatten out all those details. So yeah, you're looking at a Ken doll or a Barbie doll, um, which one of my friends posted one. And it was like, it looked like this um, ethereal creature, you know, male standing completely nude. And then you're like, it's missing something. <laughs> yes. Oh my. Oh my. So it's, it's an interesting new piece of technology that has literally like it's, it's existed because I literally was talking to it about my, my father-in-law who's been into computers for like, you know, since the 60s. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, fractals were a thing, but it took you 24 hours to render, render one. Yes. And, uh, you know, you didn't know what you got at all until it was done. And ho- God forbid the power go out uh, or it crashed. And we've come a long way from fractals to, you know, here we are going. It's better than some art form, especially 100 years ago in a lot of cases, except for perspectives case. Like yep. anything mechanical, like that airship or the air, the air balloon behind it was perfect. I would have figured Absolutely. that was, you know, if it's, if it's things that are, have very high tangible, like rope, you ask it to draw rope, it draws rope mm-hmm. really, really well. Uh, human beings is getting, like you said, the last month, all three of them, mainly the first two are a lot better at people these days. Yeah. And, uh, and it beats up my, my weird spaceships too. I did. I, I don't have a link for you guys on this one, um, but a couple weeks ago when I first started experimenting with Wombo, um, the dream one on mobile is it allows you to upload an image. So I uploaded an image of me in steampunk makeup and I chose their steampunk effect and gave it a prompt. And um, my prompts were very, very simple, such as clockwork skull or um, steam powered city. Um, and so it took my face and melded it into these shapes and it was very, very cool. Um, and now that's kind of something I'm excited about is to be able to take a piece of artwork that you already have and run it through these things and just like totally change. Changes. Yeah. Huh. So my question, since we were talking about NFTs and tracking ownership, mm-hmm. uh, and now we get into this AI generated art or AI stolen, copied, and mashed together art. Who, who can we say is the the owner or the artist? Um, how does any of that work? It's at, at least if you take your own personal art or a photog- photograph that you took, it, you you can make an argument that yeah, this is a uh, something that belonged to me that I have now edited and created or made cre- <laughs> made a machine create, but I get to say I own it. But when the the artist lifted a whole cloth from the mysterious cloud of stuff out there. Like, what kind of rights do you have to it, uh, other than it being cool and you get to see it? Like, can you publish it? Depends on which program you generate it through. Um, certain programs ask you to not turn them directly into NFTs without editing them because they do feel that um, computer-generated art is not something that you can claim ownership to, even though you were the one who typed out the sentence. Other platforms say, we want you to publish these as NFTs. And um, that's part of when you sign their user agreement, um, you get to, but only if you have a subscription. So um, Midjourney, which is the Discord one, is one of those that as long as you paid for the credit that you use to generate the image, it is your image. Um, Doll E is one of those that I believe um, is um, at least when it first launched, they were like, "Don't turn these into NFTs." Um, that may it's hard to like prove though that this program did it um, because it doesn't generate it immediately onto the blockchain. Yeah. So there is a site called OpenSea. Um, 
<laughs> Arguing with a toddler. Um, so OpenSea is one of the platforms that you can publish um, art to and then sell it as an NFT. Um, and I have a a um, OpenSea. I'm going to pull up one of my crypto tattoo series. Let me see this one. I still have some of these. So if anybody wanted to to buy one of these, I still have 10. Um, so I'll share. So um, you can look at this one. And what's cool about this one is we talked about earlier how um, ownership is not just the digital piece. That with this one, if you were to buy this, you actually get a free T-shirt after purchase. Um, so it comes with unlockable content. So after you purchase the item, it gives you a box that you can reveal and it gives you information on how to reveal your shirt. So this is one of the pieces that I did completely myself, no AI, because um, um, I'm a traditional artist turned digital artist. And it is a bunch of crypto memes. Oh. <laughs> so, yes. Um, it's like... It was sold through Bankless DAO. Um, if you are big into crypto, you've heard of Bankless, the podcast, or Bankless, um, the newsletter. And Bankless DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, is an organization that was formed underneath of the, the podcast, where a bunch of us who agree with what the um, two founders of Bankless are talking about get together and help onboard people into crypto. It's one of the things that um, I make zero money at doing, but it's very important in educating the space. Um, and so Bankless DAO actually released this as one of their uh, featured NFTs one week. And so um, that's where it first was available for purchase. And I have just a handful of them left um, available. Very nice. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. And, and as you can see, I think one person it has like, um, it sold resold higher at a higher price from somebody else. So somebody did resell this NFT, but otherwise everybody who holds this NFT holds it forever. Yeah. So them down. multiple NFTs to on this one. Yes. yes. So this one, when I first made it, I made 200 in total um, to make sure okay. that everybody who so was like limited on, prints. Mm -hmm, yep. Limited okay. prints. Um, okay. And so when you get one, it will actually tell you this is number 43. This is number 52. Um, and that is your specific print. Um, and that specific NFT is also, it has its own specific contract. So that one isn't going to be confused with anybody else's same version of this. They look the same, but you know, if you flipped over the canvas, the information on the back is different. Yep. Um, now after the original sale, I asked for, I think 15 to be held back and not burned. Um, and the rest were burned. So <laughs> that's why there's only, yes. So like they, they simply d disappear and there's no longer 200 copies. There's 147. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and what's really funny is on OpenSea, when you tell it to burn, it doesn't actually like make them disappear. It sends them to a burn address. Um, and that burn address is essentially sending it to an incinerator. You can never get it back out, but you can still see it's over there. <laughs> It's a, it's a bank account no one owns and no yes. one can ever own. It yep. is just a, it's a hole in the ground. Yep. Um, which if you ever lose access to your uh, wallet, it's kind of the same thing. Yep. <laughs> My brother owns half a Bitcoin and hates himself every day because he can't remember the password. Yes. Yes. I had a friend who had 23 ETH um, on a, uh, a wallet and then lost that 
what they call um, your your seed phrase, and yeah, you can never like get back into it. Words or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a really insane password. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that seed phrase, uh, no one but you should ever have that, even tech support. Because <laughs> no. if you give it to anyone, it will find its way to bad people, <laughs> and you will lose everything. Now, what do you think of uh, uh, cold wallets? So I have one. I just don't have it set up. So let me show you here. Um, I actually, when I went to NFT NYC, we were talking about like things that you get for owning NFTs. Um, one of the events I went to for Moonbirds, um, we're giving out ledgers. Okay. So I got a ledger. <laughs> it's still saran wrapped. Um, cold wallets are interesting. So a hot wallet means it's connected to the internet. Um, a cold wallet means it is disconnected. So inside of here is this thing that looks like a USB and no one can get to it except you. Um, and it is a good place. It's like a safety security box for your yeah. NFT. Um, it is a great way to uh, keep your stuff safe. So if you do own a bored ape or a crypto punk or many of the other, what they call blue chip NFTs, you can keep it safe off the blockchain and less likely to be stolen. Um, every time you go to a web three website, it will, it may prompt you to sign a MetaMask, um, basically contract. And sometimes it, the, that contract is just saying, Hey, you're on this website. We'd like to look at your wallet and see if you have anything that we can give you a reward for. Um, or, you know, um, if you're a member, you get special access privileges. Um, MetaMask can be either taken advantage of. Um, people go to the wrong website. So you go to Moonbird instead of Moonbirds with an S, and then you end up clicking on that contract and saying, yes, I, I give it the rights to do that. And it's actually going to drain your entire wallet. So when you have stuff on a ledger, it keeps that from happening. Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the wild west of new money. It and is. the way that gold bullion used to work for kings and how paper money works for governments and businesses and corporations. This is supposed to be the same freedom that has allowed the individual to not have his money or governed yes. by anything larger than themselves. Um, that's the plan. Anyway. Yeah. In the United States, it's a little bit of a hard conversation to have with people because they don't quite understand um, why we would want the government away from our money. However, um, right now what's happening in Iran um, one of the communities I'm in has at least 15 Iranians in the community that are active contributors. Um, and those people are good people. They're not the ones that we're supposed to be scared of. But according to the government, we're not allowed to interact with. Through the blockchain, you're able to do things like an Iranian woman is allowed to have her own bank account through a crypto wallet um, in countries that don't allow that to happen. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I was super passionate about crypto when I first got involved. Um, and then it just snowballs after that, um, as it often does if you get involved with crypto. Um, but yeah, it hopefully in the next day or two, I'll be doing a fundraiser for the people um, the that are being oppressed in Iran. Um, and you'll be getting a, an NFT if you donate to the organization that um, the community I'm talking about is going to be making. Um, and we've done it with um, the war in Ukraine, um, lots of places, including Time Magazine, um, which is just called time um, did as well. They auctioned off tons of art to support um, the Ukrainian refugees. So also um, the cool thing about the Iranian refugees is with the fact that when you're trying to leave the country, you're technically not allowed to carry legal tender with you. Mm -hmm. Also, 
when your bank is closed, you can't move your money. However, if your bank's online, you can transfer yep. all your stuff to a digital a digital wallet. Yep. Go across the border and then download it again into another bank. Yep. So and I don't have it on me right now. I don't think. Oh, yes, I do. Um, but there is. If you want to use a slightly centralized version of a crypto bank, you can do Coinbase. Um, and with Coinbase, you can actually get one of these, which is a Coinbase card. Yes. So if I if I needed to. Um, for whatever reason, access my money immediately. I'm on the run from something. Um, say if you're a woman in an abusive relationship and you need to get away from your ex, you have your money right here. Um, and because as long as your ex doesn't have that um, seed phrase, your money is safe. Or if you're so, just in an abusive you know, relationship with an invading government, you need to get out of the country. <laughs> uh, exactly. That, that is also one of the coolest things I've ever seen was a guy uploading his entire life savings from his Ukrainian bank into a wallet. Yep. And then basically has nothing on him but his cell phone, walks across a border, goes to the newest nearest bank, opens up an account, and links it to his digital wallet, downloads all his all his Ukrainian money in the next into like I think it would be German uh, well I guess in that case. So yeah. but it was it's an interesting way of it gives freedom to individuals outside of governments. Yeah. And Another one of those things talking about like why you want to split your money away from the or your, your ability to control your money away from your government. Our government, when, the moment you mentioned that we don't have a gold standard anymore. Yes. Like, which president was it that got rid of that? It's been a while. And then you find out how far back it was. And then, like, most people that are older than us who think their money is gold standard realize mm -hmm. that it's not anymore and it hasn't been since I was born. And they are exceedingly surprised. It's basically, you're running off of an NF, you're, you're running off of a government backed cryptocurrency tech it, it's an altcoin it's unbacked has all the control over it and they're allowed to basically basically flood the market with more of it mm -hmm. to make yours less yeah whoa wait a what's, minute <laughs> what's um what's really cool about um crypto is that the more people that are involved in it the more decentralized it is and the harder it is to shipwreck um you do get the mob mentality um, recently when we went from the 4,200 ETH, uh, per ETH down to, it got down to like 700 at one point. Um, it was because of mass panic of people. Um, but as long, the more people that are educated in the system that hold Ethereum, that know, like, these are my rights and this is mine to own, the less likely we are going to be, to be overrun by one entity owning all of the crypto and controlling the space. That and the fact that everyone's like, oh, but it goes it goes like this. I'm like, yeah, but the more people who buy and don't mm -hmm. sell, the waves get higher and they don't dip as far every time. It's well, you get large companies buying it and holding it as yes. as you know just capital or in long term investments. You get investment companies move in and start buying it up the same way that like um, small cap companies or small small cap markets buy up. Basically, you have to own. A few, so many stocks of every tooth of every uh, small cap company. No, get away from my pizza. Like below the Fortune 500, it's out next 2,000 companies. You have to own so much, so much stock of each company. So at that point in time, it doesn't matter as long as mm -hmm. you're within that space. There's going to be companies that are having to own your, you know, a, a piece of it. Yep. And so it just moves the base so much further up. And so when waves happen, it's oh, my money went from. You know, eighty-five grand to eighty-six grand or eighty-two grand. I don't really care that much. It's such a small move. Yep. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. It definitely. It definitely hurt when when we started to take the tumble back in the forty-two hundred days. I was like, like uh, no. 
she's sold. No. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. But then you don't want to be a panic seller either. <laughs> yeah. No. So we are we are over an hour at this point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna need to uh, uh, shout out to our patrons and, and thank everybody and and do the things. Okay. Yes. So. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you, dog. Fairtreasures.com. We are brought to you in part by Fairtreasures.com, a selection of Texas-made female-presenting costumes and accessories for Renaissance fairs and steampunk wear. Also, one-of-a-kind jewelry and alchemy jewelry imported from England. You can shop Fair Treasures at www.fairwithmetreasures.com or on Etsy. Um, also, want to wish King Vincent uh, a happy birthday, which was yesterday. And also, Jenny, you had a birthday this week as well. And and we want to thank you and Ryan for uh, supporting us uh, as we are trying to keep the lights on here. Uh, and, of course, Frida and Lawrence Allen. Uh, <clears throat> we are on Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection. If you're not watching us live streaming right now. Uh, or you can email us at Texas Steampunk Connection at gmail.com, uh, where our podcast can be found at Texas Steampunk Connection.podbean.com. We're on Twitter at TX Steam, <laughs> TX Steam Connect One, and YouTube and Rumble through the Steam Chest subscription box that Jack manages. And no less important, our music is brought to you by Zapsplat.com. Although Facebook will block it for a few hours to a day until I catch them, <laughs> I, I must insist it is brought to us legally and for free thanks to zapsplat.com. Zapsplat. <laughs> uh, Jenny, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been very informative on subjects that I have uh, very little understanding of, but uh, that's the future. Um, do, do, does everybody does anybody have anything else to add before we sign off tonight? Thank you, thank have you like for a, having me. Yeah, email or something that you could give people to, to have questions that could hit you up personally. Um, I have a Twitter, so I spend most of my time on Twitter. You can come over to my Twitter. I am Genetics Design on Twitter. Um, so you can see it's spelled here, Gen- Genetics with a J, because I am Jenny. G E N E T I C S. Yep, J E N. Yep. So, um, thank you all, and um, I'm glad that I got to nerd out a little bit about steampunk and uh, NFTs. It's something that I don't get to do both of at the same time ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've enjoyed you uh, being on here, and I, I hope we uh, have a chance to do this again. Yes, yes. definitely. Until then, everyone, mind your gauges. Mind your gauges.